Welcome to Victory Today. We're going to talk about some really powerful stuff in the next few minutes that is essential to understand if you want to experience the benefits of the Christian life. Now, I realize that we don't often use that word benefits when it comes to our faith. And yet David, back in Psalm 103, didn't shy away from that at all when he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he begins to list a few of those benefits. He says, who forgives all your iniquities. Well, that's pretty awesome, right? Who heals all your diseases. Wow. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. And what is the result of these benefits? So that your youth, he says, is renewed like the eagles. And everybody over 40 years of age listening to me today says, I receive that. Amen. I receive that. My youth renewed like the eagles. Well, if you want to enjoy the benefits of the Christian life, you first got to understand why you're entitled to those benefits in the first place. Amen. I mean, you're not going to go after those benefits if you don't believe that you're entitled to them, if you think that they were for someone else at some other time, or if you think that because of your sin, your mistakes, your failures, you know, those promises that you made to God that you didn't keep, if you think that your sin is disqualifying you from enjoying those benefits, and and many, many Christians do, then you're not going to pursue them. You're not going to believe for them. You're not going to take a hold of them by faith. You're not going to receive them into your life. And so recently we've been looking at what Jesus came to do and why that matters so, so much and how he brought about a seismic shift in the way that God relates to humanity. If you haven't listened to the last couple of podcasts, I would encourage you just pause this one and go back and listen to them first. But what we've been seeing from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is that what Jesus did on the cross, friend, forever changed the relationship between God and mankind. And maybe you've never thought about it like this before. And I really don't think that we will grasp the significance of this until we get to heaven. But friend, the astonishing thing is what Jesus achieved on the cross brought about reconciliation, not just for believers, but for everyone. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18, listen to it. It says that God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. So Jesus paid the price for our sin. And we have to put our faith in him before his promises are able to be fully received and enjoyed in our lives. We know that. But the fact is that God's wrath, his anger against sin has been appeased. That means he's not angry with us anymore, nor is he angry with those who deny him. He's he's not angry with those who choose not to accept him into their lives. He's not angry. He's not ticked off with those who do accept him and those who don't accept him. Why? Why not? Why is God not angry anymore? Because his anger has been appeased. The Bible says sin has been dealt with. God has reconciled us to himself and he did it through Jesus. 
Let me explain that a little bit more because I, I recognize that this is a new way of seeing things for many of us. I'm saying that because of Jesus, God's anger at sin has been dealt with. That was a barrier between us and God that existed, but that barrier has been removed. Now, here's the thing. Just because God has been reconciled to humanity does not mean that every person has been reconciled to God. Does that make sense? Just because God has been reconciled to humanity does not mean that every person has been reconciled to God. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.18 goes on to say that we, as believers, have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It says that is our job, to let people know that God's not angry with them, that he's not against them, that in fact he loved them enough to send Jesus, his own son, to make things right between them and himself. Now, to someone who's got a warped picture of God, I would suggest that that message ought to come as very, very good news. Amen? But the problem is, many times, that's not the message that the church is communicating. Most often, the message I think people hear outside of the faith is that God's upset with them that God's mad, that if they don't change their ways, God's going to send them to hell. Now, people do absolutely go to a Christless eternity. The Bible is clear about that. But friend, listen to me today. People go to a Christless eternity, yes, but not because God sends them there. We'll talk about that later. But friend, contrary to popular belief, God isn't sending anyone to hell. In fact, the Bible teaches that hell was never intended for people at all. It was reserved as a place of torment, punishment for the devil and his angels. People don't go to hell because God is sending them there. And people don't go to hell because of their sins. That's another thing that people misunderstand. People think, oh, well, that person is going to hell because of their sins, because of their things that they did wrong. Why doesn't someone go to hell because of their sins? We know because Jesus has paid for their sins. Amen? We saw that. It's very clear. It's throughout the New Testament. The New Covenant tells us that Jesus has paid for our sins. So no, people go to hell. Why? Because they choose not to accept this new life that Jesus has made possible. Let me say it again. People go to hell for rejecting Jesus. Not because they've done a bunch of bad things. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me or except by me. So why is rejecting Jesus such a big deal? Well, because if someone rejects Jesus as their savior, they are rejecting the only payment that's ever been made for their sins. And so the very next verse, 2 Corinthians 5.19, it reinforces that when it says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Now, what does that mean, not imputing? That's not a phrase that we use much, right? What does not imputing mean? Well, it means not holding against. 
it means not being charged to your account. You know, the other day I went and got a haircut. And when I went to pay, I paid with my phone, one of those little scan things. You know, you hold your phone up against it. Well, it made that little ding sound, but it never appeared on the merchant's end. And so my hairdresser said, well, if it doesn't get charged to your account, I guess you get a free haircut. Now think about that. He cut my hair. I owed him a payment for that. But if the boss turns around and says, ah, don't worry about it, what's he doing? Well, he's not imputing that charge to my account. Does that make sense? Listen to this in the Amplified. It says it was God personally present in Jesus, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but instead canceling them and committing us to the message of reconciliation. That says, friends, that because of Jesus, we have been restored and reconciled to favor with God. Favor. Think about that. Not wrath, not punishment, but favor. Why? Well, because our sins, rather than being counted up, added up and and held against us, like many people imagine, you know, put into some kind of big ledger in heaven where God's sitting there constantly writing down when we make a mistake. Contrary to that picture, the Bible says that those sins of ours were completely cancelled. They weren't covered. They were wiped out. They were paid for in full. So what this is saying is that God is no longer angry at the world. He's no longer mad at people. And it's saying that our sins are no longer a problem. And and that's something that we just need a revelation of. I'm telling you today that if you read your New Testament, you will see very clearly that sin is no longer an issue for God. Sin is not an issue. I know that the church and, you know, people, ministers and whatever talk about sin all the time, but sin is no longer an issue for God. Now, understand, it was an issue. Oh, absolutely, it was an issue. But we just read there that Jesus appeased God's anger. He paid the penalty for sin. He canceled it out completely. And he did that for your sin. He did that for my sin. And he did that for the sins of this whole world. He canceled the penalty for the sins that we will commit tomorrow the ones that we committed last week, and the ones that we will commit a year from now. They have been dealt with, friend. They have not only been forgiven, but they've been forgotten and they will be remembered no more. Friends, you and I are living right now in what's called the age of grace. And what that means is that God's grace His undeserved favor is right now being extended towards all people. And so we ought to be letting everyone that we have the opportunity know that God loves them, that he's not against them, that he's not trying to get them. Don't you think? We ought to be encouraging people with the good news, the very good news that because of Jesus, we've been reconciled to God and he to us. This is an 
awesome time to be alive. Even with all the crazy things going on in our world right now, friend, this is an awesome time to be alive because it is the age of grace. Or or some people call it the church age. But the Bible is also very clear that this age of grace does not continue forever. That there will come a time when the church age or the age of grace is going to come to an end. And that's when the Bible says that you and I, as members of his body, the church, will be taken to be with Jesus. And the Bible says in Revelation that once the restrainer has been removed, once the the salt and the light of the church is gone, once the ministry of the Holy Spirit active through the believers is gone, then the age of grace will come to an end. And the Bible says that in that time, God will judge the world. It says that his wrath will be poured out like never before. And it will be a terrible, terrible time for those who've chosen to reject his free gift of grace in Jesus. So yes, God's wrath will be poured out on those who reject Jesus. But right now, he's extending grace. He's extending grace, grace, more grace towards people who right now may not even acknowledge him. He's extending grace towards people who rail against him. He's extending grace towards people who hate him passionately. Why? Because he loves them so much. He does not want any of them to perish. Okay, so what has God done In this age of grace, that is just so, so awesome. Let me read it to you once more. For God was in Christ, Paul says, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. So, Andrew, are you saying today that God doesn't care anymore about sin? No. I'm saying that sin isn't an issue for God anymore in the sense that it was previously a barrier between him and you. It's not an issue for God anymore because that barrier we just read has been removed. Well then, are you saying, Andrew, that I can sin all that I want and God won't hold it against me? No, I'm not saying that. The Bible says that. It says that very clearly. God won't hold that sin against you in this age of grace. Why? Because your sin and the sins of the entire world have been paid for in full. Well then, Andrew, are you encouraging me to sin today? Is that what this is about? No, not at all. Friend, sin is terrible. Sin will mess you up. Sin is going to open the door to all kinds of evil in your life. It'll keep you from being the person God's created you to be. You get involved in sin and it'll stop you from reaching your destiny. It'll ruin your witness. It'll darken your mind. It'll damage your relationships. It'll cloud your judgment. It'll invite sickness into your life and lack and lost. And I could go on and on and on. Please understand, I'm not encouraging anyone to sin. Sin is going to mess you up. But... Please hear what I am saying. I am saying that sin doesn't cause God to stop loving you and doing all that he can to bless you. Why not? Because he has been reconciled to you, friend. 
He's not upset with you. He's trying to help you. And that is something that so many people have sadly not understood. And it is a key reason why people struggle today to receive from God and walk in victory and enjoy his benefits. Why? Because deep down, they're convinced that their sin is putting distance between them and God. That their mistakes, their failings, are putting a barrier up again between them and God. And so God, in their mind, is upset with them or downright angry with them because they failed to keep his commands. So I really, really want you to grab a hold of these truths that I'm sharing. If you need to listen to this podcast again, do that. Ask God to confirm this to you via his word and his spirit. Meditate on these passages. Allow them to get down on the inside of you. Because if they do, you will change the way that you see God. You'll change the way that you see yourself. See, the reason that I'm sharing all of this is because when we realize that God isn't angry with us, but in fact, he loves us. He calls us his dear children and he wants only good things for us. When we get a revelation of that, it's so much easier to receive from him. It's so much easier to stand in something that he's promised us in faith. It's so much easier to walk day by day in victory. Can you see that? I'm saying that God wants you to stop focusing on sin and instead start receiving his love. Now, of course, you and I don't deserve it. We don't deserve it, but that's why it's a gift of grace. And he wants you to understand that right now in this moment, even with everything that he knows about you, he's still pleased with you. He's not disappointed. He's pleased. He's pleased with you. Even though you may not be pleased with yourself, God is pleased with you because that is the kind of good, good father that he is. And friend, if you can just start to grow in your understanding of that, if you can begin to receive that love and accept that God is not mad at you, Oh my goodness, your life is going to radically change. When you get a revelation of just how much he loves you and the price that Jesus paid for that reconciliation, you will serve God, not because you have to, because you want to. Not out of some kind of obligation, but out of love. You'll read his word because you want to read his word. Not not out of a religious duty. When you get a revelation that he's not mad, but he's pleased with you, what will happen? Well, I'll tell you one of the first things that will happen. Fear, worry, and dread will be banished from your life. You'll experience a whole new level of joy on the inside, peace in your heart, a rest that you've never had before because you know that you know that you know that he loves you, that he's for you, that he'll protect you, that he'll provide for you. No matter what's going on, he will go before you, friend. He will set his angels watch over you. He will lead you, guide you, minister to you, and be faithful to you. And when it comes to receiving the promises of God, 
when you get a revelation of his love, it'll cause your faith to go to a whole nother level because faith works by love. You won't doubt that God wants to move in your life. You won't question whether he's going to give you the breakthrough. See, we only question and doubt because we really don't know deep down if he's willing. We know that he can do it. Of course, he's God. He can do anything. But we believe many times through our faulty things that we've heard over the years, we believe that God only moves in a person's life who's worthy, who's good, who's right, who's pure, who's clean. But friend, when you get a revelation that that is exactly how he sees you today, right now today, he sees you as holy, righteous, pure, clean, because your sins have been obliterated and you know that he isn't angry and disappointed or ashamed of you. What's going to happen to your faith? Your faith is going to rise up along with the love in your heart for him. And man, you're going to be receiving everything left, right and center that God in his grace has so richly provided. And that more than anything else is what I want for you. That is my prayer for you, that you would know today that because of Jesus, you are in right standing with God and that he only wants the best for your life. Well, I trust that that has encouraged you today. And I want to thank those of you who've chosen to partner with us and are helping to get these messages out. You know, your financial partnership is such a huge, huge blessing. It is not only enabling this message of victory to go out, but it's also helping to pay the wages of our seven full-time staff in Cambodia. It provides rice for a hundred families every month. It also enables us to educate our awesome 100 kids at Freedom Center in Phnom Penh to become the Christian leaders of tomorrow. You really are making an eternal difference when you sow into New Bold Ministries. And so if you'd like to know more, about how you can get involved, so financially, partner with us. All the information that you need is right there at newboldministries.com. Well, go out and have an awesome day. Walk in victory. And I can't wait to share more of the Word of God with you real soon.